Welcome to the Wealth Radar podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing in personal wealth. I'm Jason Fowler, and I'm joined by my brother Paul. We are certified financial planners from Fowler's Group, and in this episode, we're joined by one of Kansas' leading family lawyers and the founder. I think that's the right terminology of Treehouse Australia, Dan Drummond. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome Deanne. And uh, look, through discussions we've had um, over the last couple of months, you've spoken a bit more in depth about the organisation, the Treehouse Australia, which uh, my take on it, it provides awareness around how trauma or traumatic events in people's lives, certainly in the younger ages, can have a sort of long-lasting negative effect, maybe on their health going forward. Um, And you also speak about how these negative effects can be reversed by understanding your bodies, your genes, and how they can be switched on and, and often that's about as medically technical as I'm <laughs> going to get and I'll get pass the rest over to, to you, Deanne. But I, I actually found it fascinating and I, I think the listeners will as well, um, which is what we want to talk about today. But first of all, can you just give us a background on yourself, your, your career and how you ended up where we are? Yeah, yes, yeah, certainly. So I've been a family lawyer for probably more years than I care to remember, but over 25 years. Um and I've been mostly doing family law. And doing family law, we see a lot of trauma, either from domestic violence or people who've had um, adverse childhood experiences like sexual abuse growing up in a domestically violent household, all the rest of it. And we know that that can have a huge impact on people's mental health, but also their overall health. Um, and it probably really hit me how what a significant role it plays in... 2020, in the midst of COVID, um, we had a matter and a psychiatrist gave evidence and she had said during the course of her evidence that the mental health resources are so bad in Cairns that unless someone is bad enough to get admitted to the mental health ward, there was very limited very limited things she could do, you know, mm-hmm. apart from give them drugs. And I just thought that was amazing that we, as practitioners are referring people to GPs and psychiatrists to help them with their mental health, thinking we've referred them there and that's solved the Mm. problem. But what they were basically telling us is it's really complex and you can't just see someone for a little bit, give them drugs or do some psychological therapy and expect that's going to help them. It's much more of a complex problem. And they just felt like they didn't have a lot of tools in their toolbox to help these clients with complex problems. So I started doing a lot more research. Um, first of all, I started asking other um, healthcare practitioners if they thought the same, and they, they all said the same thing. We really just throw our hands up in the air. A lot of people don't respond to the, to the medication or psychological counselling, and we're not sure what to do. So I enrolled in a, um, my first trauma course that mm-hmm. went for seven days, and it was probably more aimed at healthcare professionals rather than ones that are for lawyers that go you know for an hour or two and I just learned so much it, it was blind you know it blew my mind mm-hmm. um, and after that I started doing a lot more research so a lot of the the experts who spoke all had written books so I'd go away and you know watch their podcasts read their books and I learned so much I started asking the local doctors and GPs about all this stuff and a lot of them just looked at me with this really blank face or had no idea what I was talking about so I thought, oh, my God, I'm, well, am I the freak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I arranged a appointment with the head of neuropsychiatry, um, Professor Zoltan Zanye at James Cook University, to say, look, I've learned all this stuff at a conference, but the local practitioners don't seem to, to know what I'm talking about. 
And he laughed at me and he said, Deanne, on average, it takes 17 years from when we learn stuff in research before it's implemented in clinical practice. And I, I was astounded because, yeah. you know, in, in the legal world, if we have a case, you know, the high court hands down a decision, you better know it the next day. Yeah. Or if they change the family law rules, at most you've got three months to get on top of it and then you've got to know about it. It's not like we're going to just allow you 17 years to start learning it. Um, and then I realised that there was a huge gap, that there is a lot of things that can help people who've experienced trauma, but it's just not known by practitioners because when they went through uni, they didn't teach it. Yeah. I mean, genetics in particular, so much has changed in the last five years. If you, if you compare it to, say, an iPhone, yep. you know, if you had an iPhone, I'm not even sure if they were around 17 years ago, but yeah, if you they, had a phone... They, they were. They, they, were, uh, they okay. were. That's 2006, yeah. Just. Oh, there you go. Well, if you had a phone from yep. 17 years ago... Your teenager is not going to be happy using that phone and neither are you. <laughs> no. Or if you've got a computer system yep. or a filing system that was okay 17 years ago, you're not still want to be using it now. But in medicine, that's kind of what's yeah. happening, you know. not A lot of these new ideas are not being – people just aren't being made aware of them, particularly when it comes to genetics. So mm -hmm. through a lot of the research that I did, I realised that particularly from, from overseas, there are some really great ideas that we could be using for our clients, but we just didn't have the resources in Cairns to make it available and all the knowledge. So we decided to set up our own, uh, originally it was not-for-profit organisation, yep. now it's a charity, that really does raise awareness about um, what trauma is, what it looks like, the um, implications of it, but then what you can do about it. So when, when you say trauma... Like, is it major events, you know, that, that it affects so no, look, sexual it, abuse or or getting belted up at home or no, you know, major accident? Is, is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know when we were talking, I used the bathtub effect because trauma is something that's cumulative. So you might have something that's sort of small. You might be verbally abused at home. Mm -hmm. But every day, day after day, week after week, that is going to build up. And if you think of a, an empty bathtub, if you have um, a bathtub and the plug's in and you pour in a little bit of water and there's no other water in the bathtub, it's not going to overflow. But if you've got a full bathtub and you pour in just a glass of water, it's going to overflow because your load is already so much. Yeah. And, and in technical terms, that's called allostatic load. It's that the, the build-up of all these things within your body and how your body can interact. And each of us have different genes. We all respond a little bit differently. Um, it, it doesn't just have to be psychological stress. Yeah. You know, how your body you know, responds to stress is going to depend on a lot of other things going on in your body as so well. So with, with, with these events happening over time, the trigger doesn't actually may not happen till years down the track yeah. where you've no. overflowed and then that's yeah. where you snap Absolutely, or... yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can think of, you know, those water parks where they have those big mm. buckets yeah, that, gotcha. you know, you can have yep. a big bucket falling down mm. or you could have a bathtub with a tap dripping, just one little drop, yep. but drop after drop after drop is eventually going to make that bathtub yep. overflow. And that's sort of some of the stuff we see with coercive control and that is one of the things that has the biggest impact on people. A lot of people, when they think of, say, domestic violence, they think that the physical violence is the worst, but actually all the research shows that often it's the emotional and psychological yep. abuse that has the worst effect. And that's what a lot of people don't realise. Yeah. So there's a couple of, I suppose, there's a, and it's interesting, um, I was, uh, TREES, you can, you can explain what TREES stands for, but it, there, there's a whole bunch of evolution in this whole process, right? There's understanding what trauma is, is yep. right, and recognising it and then dealing with it. And then, well, 
so they, they're the first, well, I'll give it away, the T and the R, right? That's trauma and recognition, yeah. understanding it. So then what do we do, right? So once we, once we acknowledge that trauma is a build, which, mm. which, which makes sense to me because I think about, I'm sorry, I'm going to sidetrack you a bit, but I think about I've got some, a number of people that I know over a long period of time, right? We're all getting older, so we've all been around, we've been consumed by information, we've had little bits upon little bits upon little bits of stress that build over. And I've got, I know a couple of people who've got to a point where they they have what is determined a mental breakdown or they, they become depressed, it, you know, it yep. changed. But mm. the psychologists have actually said to them, it's it's just that same thing build as your up. bathtub. Yep. It's that build up and eventually the brain's full yep. or, and it yep. doesn't know what to do and it needs a release mm. to actually create some room for the next bit to flow in. Yeah, and, you got to let the plug out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so that, that, that was fascinating to me because that's happened a bit a couple of times over the, over the last couple of years where I've mm. had really good friends and people I know you think we would never get to that but that they just got to a point where they just couldn't do any more and suddenly mm. the body just starts taking over so if we we accept that you know trauma can come in lots of forces and um and we recognize what do we do next how do how do we deal with this yeah, well, one of the things I tell people is that you can't really separate mental health and physical health. They, right. they go mm-hmm. together. So we don't just focus on mental health. You want to focus on your overall health because when you're looking at the bathtub, all of those stresses build up. So um, sometimes it's the basic stuff like making sure you exercise and you're, you're eating right. Eating your nutrition has a huge impact on your body and how your genes respond. There's whole areas called nutrigenomics mm-hmm. where – um, one one diet is not going to work for, for everybody because everyone has different genes mm. and everyone has different nutrient requirements. So we're really into precision medicine, working out what is going to work for this particular person. And that's why sometimes doing the genetic testing or epigenetic testing can really help to work out what is best for this person. So so how does that work practically? You get, you get a genetic test? Yeah, so you so can we, go... So we get a genetic test, I guess. Most people think about you getting a test to see if well, that's... your cells to... Uh, a higher exposure to cancer and things like that. You don't necessarily get a genetic test to fix up maybe mental health. Or, or, yeah, or what, what yeah. are you testing for and what are, what are they looking for? Yeah, so we have in your body, you've got uh, about 20,000 genes that code for enzymes and proteins and you've got a lot of other genes that then regulate those genes. But you can do tests and sometimes they might be testing for 300 genes or I've just done one recently that does your whole genome. But we have... Different people have variations in their genes and that can impact how you can respond to stress or how you respond to exercise or Mm -hmm. how you respond to... um, There's one gene, for example, called MTHFR that is um, responsible for methylation, which is a really important um, pathway or or thing that happens in your body. And a lot of people who are under-methylators, they've got a gene that means that they don't methylate as well can leave them more vulnerable to say depression or things like that Mm. but that's methylation has a lot to do with the conversion of folate so you want to make sure you're getting enough folate and b vitamins and and things like that so you can check what genetics you have and Mm. see whether you might be an over methylator or an under methylator and that if you're suffering from depression for example that might really determine what type of medication you need because if you're under methylator what we call the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors might be all right for you but if you're an overmethylator, those medications are probably going to be quite harmful for you and that's what the whole movement of precision medicine is recognizing so there's a lot of government documents now that will admit that we 
um, the, the medications that they use are the ones that are going to work for most people. But they recognise that that might work for, say, 30% of the population. For another yeah. 30, they might not work. And for more, they might be harmful or less will be harmful. So it's working out what is your situation and what is the medication or treatment that will work for you, given your particular... So you're, you're, in, you're, you're yeah. directly treating that, say, in this case, that particular gene. So if we use depression, for example... It may not necessarily be the methylator gene or that. Well, yeah, sorry, there's what, lots of different whatever. things. Yeah. Could, but there could be a number of different genes. But yeah. this gene here affects this person in a way that they may get depressed, where this other gene over to the left yeah. affects someone else for the same, for depression as well. So a lot of time with depression, that- depression is not a diagnosis of what's causing the problem. It's actually just a diagnosis of symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're feeling depressed, but that could be caused by you know, nutrient deficiency or inflammation or there's a whole range of things that could be causing that. So with the precision medicine or functional medicine, what we're trying to do is look at what is causing that problem and therefore how do we treat it, not just, well, you've got, let's try all this different medication and see which one works. So rather than trial and error, we're trying to get more specificity into the diagnosis and then hopefully get yeah. better outcomes. So if I understand it, then this, this genetic, because must admit, when you hear genetic testing with everything that's been in the press over a long period of time, yeah. everyone goes, oh, do I want to know, right? And there's always the fear of if I find something out that I don't want to know, then I wish I didn't find yeah. it out in the yeah. first place. But I think what, but what I understand you're saying here in this particular case, that it's actually targeted. It's not necessary. As you said, you can do a test that does the entire genome. Yep. You can map the, or we can actually just test for specific things. So if I go down the path of saying I want to do this test that you're talking about, then I don't actually have to have the entire map that says that I might, you know, have these other genes that mean other major things. Yeah, and there's very few genes where one gene is responsible for something. There there are things like Huntington disease and phenylketonuria that, you know, are very specific, but most of the time it's a combination of genes. You think you've got 20,000 genes or thereabouts, there's lots of different combinations. And um, I'm just reading a book at the moment that says with a lot of the testing, the biggest the biggest one gene might be 0.04% wow. of the mm. cause. Yep. So it's a combination of different things. I was talking to Paul the other day about there's one gene that helps called COMPT that helps metabolise stress. But it's that one gene is not going to contribute to cancer, but that gene also helps metabolise oestrogen. And if oestrogen's not metabolised properly, um, you know, if your detoxification's yep. not working correctly, then that can help contribute to you know cancer or buildup of toxins. But within your detoxification system, again, you've got a whole range of genes. Mm. So you might have a poor COMPT or a slow COMPT, but your other detoxification genes might be really good. My daughter, for example, is missing two really important genes. Right. So even though she's with, with some of the testing, they, they come as dots. So there might be a green dot, a yellow dot, or a red dot. Green being good, red being yeah. a bit problematic. That's a bit simplistic, but, yeah. you know, work yeah. with me. So she had a yellow dot for that, but she was missing some other detoxification genes. So it's not the one gene that matters, but it's the combination of all the genes that you've got. Um, and so she's not great with detoxification. So you might be good at metabolizing stress, but if you're under a lot of stress, that can actually affect your detoxification mm. pathway because the gene is used for different things. Things, yep. Likewise, um, you might be a lot of toxins. You might go out and spray your garden and get, you know, Roundup or something on you. So your body is having to work harder to deal with that. Or there could be a whole range of toxins, mm. you know, that, that you're dealing with. And again, there's only so much enzyme 
this this comp can make. Yep. So if you're under a lot of stress or it works with magnesium, you're deficient yep. in magnesium, that will affect it. You, you're under, you know, stress from toxins. So, so many different things will impact how yep. your body reacts. And it comes back to that bathtub effect that all of these different things are putting stress on your body. And how you deal with it is like the plug being, yeah. you know, let out. If you're plugs blocked you know yep. your water can't get out or you're putting too much water into that bathtub it will eventually overflow it's not normally one thing there are some conditions that are one thing like huntington's disease but mostly it's a it's big a combination, combination of factors you, you, you mentioned when we spoke deanne that you know if we go back to trauma in early yep. ages and these these mm. little one percenters building building up yep. over time with regards to your genes you spoke about genes being switched on or off so yep. everyone has the genes yes but they, they're either switched on, uh, say, working yeah. or off. But not all genes are meant to be on. Some genes that are actually meant to be off, some people have them switched on. So it's a matter. It's almost like a light switch yes. effect. So you test it and then you treat that gene to either switch it on or switch it off. Yes. I know so, that's very simplistic, but yeah. is that... So what we're talking about is your the DNA that you have, which is your genotype or your genes, is the same in every cell in your body, what, what gene that you have. But whether or not that gene is switched off is going to vary. That's called your phenotype. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I like to use the analogy of a recipe. So you might have your grandmother's recipe to cook, you know, a, a cake, but 500 people might make that cake and each one tastes a bit different. Yep. But, using the same recipe. Yep. Likewise, in your, in your cells, um, you have the same DNA in a skin cell, as an eye cell, as a liver cell, but they don't all look the same. They look very different because your liver, the liver parts that you need are switched on in the liver cell and your skin cell parts are switched on in the skin cell. So we know that, um, that and that's what epigenetics is, whether or mm. not the, you know, it's switched on or switched off, but then your body is constantly adapting and changing. So some of those switching on and switched off is constant, you know, throughout your life. And there are a lot of genes that change as we age. So we are a lot more susceptible to diseases in older age, you know, mm. Alzheimer's, cancer, diabetes, some of those are, and that's what happens is there's a process called methylation that changes the switching on and switching off of, of, different genes as we age but that can also happen in you know in, in early age as well particularly when your body is growing and developing that those environmental effects can have a huge impact on um, which genes are switched on and switched off and how your body grows in those early development so so you're periods. saying just about a little take out there you yeah. can you can slow the aging process for everyone, for all our listeners. <laughs> well, there's a saying? lot of research. I, I think I would be a very rich person <laughs> if, I, if I could do that. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of research yeah. going on about how we do that. So um, there's, there's a book called Lifespan, for example, by David Sinclair, which goes through all the different things that they're looking at for aging. And they actually have developed these epigenetic clocks that look at aging. There's mm. one called the um, Horvath clock or the um, Grim Age. There, there's a couple of different ones that they use to basically look at the methylation of genes. Um, and there's other things they can look at too, like uh, telomeres. Like we were talking about your chromosomes have these little caps on the end, a bit like shoelaces have yep. the caps on the end of them. And there's uh, a lady did a lot of research on that, won the Nobel Prize, Elizabeth Blackburn, shared it with some other people. Um realizing that things like stress and trauma can shorten your telomeres and when those caps get so short that they're not existing anymore then cells stop dividing 
And, and that's a really important thing because if you've got, say, an immune cell like a T cell and you get a virus, you want those cells to be able to divide and, divide and yep, you know, yep. But if your cells can't do that, that's problematic. So that can lead to to ageing. And there's things you can do to increase, you know, your telomeres and things that decrease it. So that's a lot of research mm. that's going on at the moment. And there's um, oh, there's about twelve different things that I think contribute to ageing. So methylation of uh, genes is one. Telomere length is one. Inflammation in the body is another. So there's these different um, biomarkers mm. of of ageing. But certainly the the epigenetics, the, the switching on and off of genes and the methylation of genes is, is one of those. Yep. And that's one of those things that trauma has a big impact on. So, yeah. so if I can just pick up on where you just ended there and, and something you said a couple of minutes ago. So if I understand it and some of this stuff that you provided that we had a look at, this document about epigenetics mm. from Harvard, um, talks about the fact that essentially environmental factors, whether they be positive or negative, and can have an impact on how our bodies and our genes develop. Yep. So if I've got, yep. you know, there's identical twins in our, not in our direct family, but in the, the wider family, they happen about yep. every second generation. So there's yep. quite, a, quite a history of um, identical twins. And so what I think this is suggesting to me is that if you start, if, identical twins, you know, essentially have the same, yep. <laughs> start from the same yep. spot. But if they're exposed to different environmental Absolutely. factors, yep. whether they be positive or negative, yep. or even the quantum mm. of those, yep. then essentially they can develop very different outcomes physically or mentally yep. down the track. Is that, that that's exactly right? Yeah. And and so, which comes back to what you, where we where we started at the beginning this acknowledgement of trauma and recognition of it, and then identifying well now what can I do? And I thought that the interesting thing that you, you said. Um, and was also in there is that one of the simple things, so exercise, you know, every, we understand that yeah. for a whole bunch of things. Mm. But the other thing that's quite easy to do is diet, right? Mm. But it's, it's like understanding what is it that I need to do yes. so that I can actually make a difference or re-engineer, I'd like to say reverse, but essentially it's re-engineer, reprogram yeah. to come back to where the starting point is that yeah, yeah. really the outcome? And, yes. and essentially if we, Jason and I have the exact same diet, it won't necessarily have the same exact right. same effect no. on both of us. So exactly. You, yeah. yes. Without understanding yeah. what genes you need to treat. Yeah, so just going back to the, um, the COMPT one, uh, which helps break down noradrenaline and adrenaline in the body. Um, if you've got a, a slow COMPT, you know, you're going to find it a little bit harder to break down noradrenaline and adrenaline. So trying to manage your stress is one way to help. But another one is that works with magnesium. So you want to make sure you're not deficient in magnesium. Different people absorb vitamins differently. Yeah. So if you don't, have, say, vitamin D, you might not absorb vitamin D or you might not transport vitamin D to the cells as well. So you might need more of that. Um, a really classic one is that some people have these high things called pyrals in the body, a condition called pyroluria. And that tends to, um, when they excrete waste, it tends to take a lot of the B6 and zinc out with it. So those people can become very deficient in zinc and B6, which can have a huge impact on mental health. So those people need much higher rates of zinc and B6. So just knowing if you've got that, and a lot of people with that condition might have schizophrenia or different conditions, and just by supplementing with that for those people can make a huge difference. 
iron. Some people are iron deficient. Some people have too much iron. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you can do tests yeah. for that. Yeah. So you don't want to be just taking iron, thinking oh, iron's really important for, mm. for some of your neurotransmitters. It's a cofactor for, say, dopamine and serotonin. But if you're a person who um, is susceptible to having too much iron, that can become toxic. On the other hand, you might be a person who doesn't absorb it very well. Um, having a leaky gut, celiac disease, all yeah. of these different things can impact how you absorb nutrients. And, of course, it's you, your neurotransmitters rely on these nutrients for you to function properly. So, yeah. how, so how do you go about doing this? So you, who, who does the – one, who does these tests and what do you ask for and who, who knows about it? And two, once you've done the test, who, who evaluates it and assesses it and says, right, yeah, well, this is – this is how you, what you've got to do yeah. to change your diet to improve this, or, or, for individuals, is there, is there a specific reason that someone has to get should go and do this test, or you just do it off your own bat, or do you wait? Yeah, till there's till you break. <laughs> no, yeah, what, I wouldn't suggest you yeah. wait till you break because we're all about prevention rather yeah. than mm. trying to deal with stuff. I use the classic example of a dam. You know, if you get a little crack in a dam, if you can fix that crack or your windscreen before it becomes too big, it's much easier to fix. If you wait until it's all but falling apart, very hard to fix it mm. then. You know, you want to get it early. So knowing a little bit about your genetics can be really helpful. Um, like I said before, we found out my daughter was missing a couple of genes for detoxification and, and other genes that are going to affect her. So knowing that is really helpful for us to, to know that she has to be particularly careful with toxins, mm. be it through shampoo or makeup or nail polish mm. or any of that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, that's really important for her. I've got the slow comp gene, so I don't metabolise stress. I know I need more magnesium, you okay. know, just to, just to stay healthy. Um, other people, another one that's really important is choline. So you have a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, which is, you know, remember a lot of people suffer Alzheimer's because mm. that they start losing that. So some people absorb choline better than others. They produce choline better. So you might need to supplement with um, choline or something called phosphatidylcholine. All of those things can help. Now, some nutritionists, some doctors will do some basic tests mm -hmm. Um MTHFR is one that they test. Uh, there's different iron, iron ones for hematomacrosis and things mm -hmm. like that doctors will test. But if you really want a more thorough test, I would be doing the genomic testing. Mm -hmm. Some of the, um, the universities will test for different cancer gene, like BRCA1 is one that's yep. become really popular. Um, Angeline Jolet was diagnosed with a poor variant of the uh, BRCA1 gene, so she had the double mastectomy. But a lot of those ones are just testing for one or two specific ones, whereas you can go and do the more whole genome or do, do a series of one that are really, rather than targeting particular problems, are looking at your overall pathways of the genes that we have a lot of research about. What we know now and what we know in 20 years' time yeah. is going to be completely different. We're going Absolutely. to learn so much in 100%. coming years. But there's research about you know certain genes that we don't know now. So um, I personally, we go through a molecular geneticist who's also a nutritionist, and um, they can do your testing and then explain it to you in way that, okay, these are the nutrients that would be beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. um, overseas, you can just do them online. Like Nebula Genomics is the one that does the whole genome. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can do your own research about what that is. In in Australia, they they recommend. I think it's even compulsory if you're ordering tests here to go through a health practitioner, yeah. like a molecular geneticist or something like that. Um, but there's lots of different companies that are doing it, mm -hmm. um, and each one sometimes they're tailored for particular things. It might be for heart disease or general health or exercise. You might be trying to increase your performance, things like that. 
You work mm. closely, you mentioned, with the doc, Dr. Denise Yeah, Dr. Furness. Denise Furness. She's yeah. the molecular geneticist that we work with. Yep. And she has the company Your Genes and Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's on the Sunshine Coast, but she does all her appointments by Zoom. And the testing is really easy. It's a bit like a COVID test almost. You know, they post it out to you and yeah, you right. rub it inside one cheek and the other yeah. and then you, you send it away. So it's not painful or anything mm-hmm. like that. If you want to do the epigenetic testing, um, that's a blood test. So basically they send you a little prick and you prick your thumb and you put a few drops of blood onto a bit of paper and then you send that away. And that will test which genes um, in your immune cells are on or off. Okay. So that can give you a lot more information as well. And they're, they're ones that are designed specifically for ageing. So you okay. can see whether your biological age is lower or higher <laughs> you than go. your mm-hmm. chronological age. Yeah. You probably need that, mate, because I look younger than you and I'm not. So there you go. Not <laughs> <laughs> based on your hairline. <laughs> but, Deanne, that's been a, a fascinating conversation. Um, it's it's an area that, that sort of is so interesting. Like you say, it's it's evolving so rapidly. I mean, you mentioned that historically in medical practice things take far too long to get mm. to the end and and I think that happens in in lots of areas but I think that the that's my take out of the conversation today if I can relate it a bit back to what we do is it's I can build the greatest financial plan in the world but if I give that same plan to 100 different people probably one of them it's going to work for right? it's going to be tailored yeah. Yeah. yeah and so at the end of the day we've got to understand why yeah. what and what the outcome is going to be and what we're aiming for. And if we do that in most facets of life, we're probably going to get a better experience. Right? Absolutely. And this is just another evolving area of this. I, I mean, I continue to be fascinated by how powerful and and strong the body can be in so many different things. I mean, I did some about 18 months ago, I had some issues where I was just gassing up in the, in the stomach. It didn't make any sense. It had come and it would go. So I started doing some um, with the dietitian research into taking things out of their diet, putting them back in. The upshot of the whole thing was I'm I'm not – there's no one particular thing that affects me. It's just there's a group of things that if I have too much of, I get to that full stage, right? Yeah. And so you become conscious of that and you change your diet to do it. And then Sue tells me the flip side of that is I also stop snoring, right? No, that was <laughs> – like, who knows what's yes. going on in the body, mm. right? The mm. body does wonderful things. I've got a mate who changed his diet and, and has got some incredible results with regards to some health issues that have suddenly started to turn around, right? Mm. So the body can do wonderful things. Yes. It's just a matter of understanding what it is we're trying to do and making the, um, the, an the outcome biggest of that. Ta- the light bulb moment for me when I was um, speaking with you, Deanne, was the was more around the, the mental health because that's such a big issue in – today's society and it's an easy label to give people right yeah and 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 i don't know a lot about it to be honest but as you said a lot of people just they get diagnosed and they get given a drunk a, a drug sorry and away you go hope it gets better and now i know there's a lot more <laughs> passion in and and uh, mm. people have a lot more care than than the way i put it there but this is just another way to say hey you know maybe get the genes tested there actually could be something more specific you could target that the drug necessarily isn't. Mm, yeah, it's that, just personalising that, that. Yeah. yeah. Just mm. doing a few things like, you know, you might do an overall blood test, get the, the genes mm. tested. Um, and like you said, even working with your diet because your diet can have a huge impact on your, your overall mm. health as well. It's really one thing, but understanding how all these different yeah. factors can impact you as an individual 
and understanding that one person can be very different to another. What worked for someone else might not work yeah. for you. Um, and we just want to personalise the treatment. You're going yeah. to get better results. And, uh, and in yeah. some ways, I mean, diet's easier than exercise. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, like, you, you, it is. Not, not really? having a diet, but changing your diet yeah. is actually an easier habit to do in, in a roundabout way by just simply taking bits and pieces mm. out. I've got a daughter who's doing nutrition. She wants to be a dietitian and she's fascinated and about how just little pieces of things that you do can actually change the outcome yeah. of the body, yeah. right? Yeah. And you don't have to get up at 5am in the morning to do it. So, yeah. um, you know, it's been a great chat. Thank you very much for coming in and sharing that. Who'd have thought we'd have a family lawyer on and we'd be talking about epigenetics and all sorts of medical stuff, but it's been a really interesting mm. Um, conversation so thank you for that we'll share the uh, website for for treehouse treehouseaustralia.org.au um, we'll put it up on our facebook page um, as always any feedback on the episodes drop us a note on facebook drop us an email we're, we're really keen to hear the feedback and chat again thank you again for thank coming in thanks Appreciate for having it. me and we'll see you next time cheers podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice.